The GX on Agriculture podcast is brought to you by Future Ford in Melville. Future Ford is your automotive expert. From sales to service, they're the ones you can trust to get rolling again sooner. GX on Agriculture with Doug Falconer. Good afternoon and welcome to GX on Agriculture. Coming up on today's program, a positive market for pigeon peas in India could provide support for new crop lentil values this fall. We'll hear from Mike Jubinville, who is a senior market analyst with Markets Farm. A major winter snowstorm is on its way to southern Saskatchewan. We'll catch up with Environment Canada's senior climatologist David Phillips about that. And a senior risk management analyst with HAMS Marketing Services says pork demand will need to improve significantly to stimulate a recovery in live hog markets. We'll hear from Paul Marchand on that. All of those stories and much more coming up on today's edition of GX and Agriculture. But first, it's time for the Agriculture Outlook with Precision Weather. And that's a presentation of Milligan Bio. Milligan Bio now offers bio meal for your livestock, giving your animals more protein, more energy, and more of what they need. It's also brought to you by Sean Prahitka, your Remax Blue Chip Ag Division Specialist. Unmore. Agriculture Outlook with Precision Weather. With Phil Spivak from Precision Weather. And Phil, it's mainly cloudy here in the Yorkton area right now, but it sounds like our weather could get a lot worse over the next few days. Yeah, the first phase of what's going to be a, a pretty significant winter storm is sliding in today. It's not winter at all. We're mild enough, it's rain, and it's a pretty narrow area of rainfall. So we'll get these showers rolling through uh, this afternoon, through the early evening, and then they'll exit just as quickly. We actually are getting into a, a little wedge of warm air, but this is, is not a wide wedge of warm air at all. In fact, it collapses over most of southwestern Saskatchewan. It's a little wider to the south. It actually covers most of Wyoming in the in the warm air, but then it's narrower, getting through Montana, and very little of it extending into Canada. This storm is, is cutting off, but it's doing so slowly because there's a, another winter storm out ahead of all of this. It's a very deep upper low that's sitting over the western Great Lakes. So some snow coming out of northern or western Ontario down across northeastern Minnesota into Wisconsin. There's some blizzard warnings in that area. So we're missing that storm, but that is a cold air mass. We don't have the cold air mass. In fact, as I mentioned, we have this warm air coming in, but there's a lot of moisture that's going to come in with this next storm system. It begins to ride toward us uh, through the day tomorrow. We'll start to see the low deepening off to the south, coming out of Colorado, tracking across the northern plains of the U.S., and spreading that moisture across the border by the end of the day tomorrow. Will be rain when it starts. Temperature this afternoon, likely double digits. In fact, right where we should be this time of year, around 11 degrees. Rain showers quickly end tonight. It's windy. That wind is going to stay up, down averaging around 35 kilometers per hour today and tonight. We only dropped to minus one tonight, and again, that occurs after the rain is gone. So this is rain. As precipitation resets tomorrow, it's likely also rain. We're up to four degrees through the day, much colder. And the wind making it feel that much colder, still around 35 kilometers per hour on the average of the wind, could start to get some higher gusts later day. By the end of the day, though, after we peak at 4, we'll start to drop back. And as we do, we get closer to freezing, and that brings in the chance for some snow. The initial period of snow is going to be very wet, a mixture of rain and snow through much of Tuesday night. There could be 2 to 4 centimeters, but a lot of that is going to melt on the roads. 
So by Wednesday morning, really not much impact yet. But the wind is going to increase a little more. The higher gusts getting into 50, 60, 65 kilometers per hour Tuesday night and Wednesday will cause that mixture and eventually all snow to blow around quite a bit. So reduced visibility could be a larger impact in the accumulation. But I think there will be some accumulation because while that first stuff melts, the temperature does drop below freezing and it doesn't get back on Wednesday. It'll be a slow but steady drop. The issue is, and the reason this is going to be tricky to really nail down the roads, is that the temperature doesn't drop much. We fall to minus two Tuesday night, and then we hold steady or drop to minus four on Wednesday. That's below freezing, but the ground a little different than the air, and we'll be just a little below freezing. Once we get a little bit of a pack of slush, the snow will have no problem accumulating on that. It'll just take it in that initial pack going. By the time we're all said and done, especially through the day Wednesday and Wednesday night, there could be some moderate accumulation. Some indications this is 10 to 20 centimeters, but a lot of that, again, will melt, so we may not see that at the end. Either way, it's going to be a heavy snowfall for the second half of April. Temperatures will recover a bit on Thursday. The snow's still around, but the wind diminishing as the system winds down, minus one on Thursday. And then we improve on Friday, clearing out from some early flurries back up to four degrees and back to at least approaching normal by the weekend. That's Phil Spivak from Precision Weather. Temperatures around the region this hour. The Paw is at five degrees. Swan River, eight Dauphin, Brandon, Show Lake, Russell, and Roblin, 7. Regina is at 11 degrees, Saskatoon, 12, Hudson Bay, Indian Head, 10, Broadview, Mooseman, Winyard, Wadena, Kelvington, 6. The Yorkton, Melville region has a mainly cloudy sky, a southeast wind at 30, gusting to 41 kilometers an hour. 46% is the relative humidity. The temperature is 8 degrees. Yesterday, Yorkton reached a high of 13 degrees and dropped to a low of minus 1 degree. There was no precipitation recorded in the 24-hour period ending at midnight last night. The normal high for this date is plus 11 degrees. The normal low is minus 2 degrees. The sun rose in Yorkton at 5.51 this morning, and it will set at 7.49 tonight. Extreme temperatures for Manitoba and Saskatchewan yesterday. The Manitoba hot spot was Swan River at 14 degrees. The cold spot Churchill at minus 17 degrees. The Saskatchewan hot spot yesterday was Leader at 19 degrees. The cold spot was Key Lake at minus 9 degrees. And that's your agriculture weather. Please stay tuned. GX on Agriculture will be back right after these messages. Welcome back to GX on Agriculture. A positive market for pigeon peas in India could provide support for new crop lentil values this fall. Mike Jubinville is a senior analyst with Markets Farm and he made these comments on a recent webinar. The India pigeon pea domestic marketplace, which are green lentils and indirectly our red lentils, compete with potentially in the India market, is looking a lot more encouraging these days. You know, we have a, a directional price bias that is moving higher. The government's uh, mandated minimum support price, it's above that now and has been trending higher. 
they had a short crop of pigeon peas last year. They grow this during the course of our, you know, what is our summer season, was less than what was hoped for last year. Outside of three, four hundred thousand tons that of fresh pigeon pea availability that you know India can get from East Africa around September, you know, the world doesn't have another large volume pigeon pea reload until India's next harvest that comes around that November, December period. So that's the potential window I see as the opportunity for Canadian new crop lentils as it overlaps with old crop pigeon pea pricing that is trending higher as it is right now. Here in Western Canada, the expectation with disease issues and and such that uh, we are looking at lentil acres that may be lower relative to last year. And we look at it in India as coming out of La Nina, going into an El Nino year, drier conditions tend to be the bias in El Nino years in the Indian subcontinent. So could that be a production issue for them, not for next year? Jupinville looks at old and new crop green lentils. Green lentil prices, you're starting to see some elevation of value here, 56, 58 cents a pound on the old crop. Uh, split dehulled large green lentils are competitively priced as a substitute for pigeon peas, particularly into the southern India marketplace. And uh, we have a new crop price that is sort of hanging in there and moving up now to about 50 cents. And I've heard you can get, a, you can get an act and gone on a 50 cent per pound fall delivered price, which is looking very much increasingly attractive to us. As for red lentils... The red lentils also starting to move higher, 36 cents. New crop, 35 cents. And I'm also hearing about Active God starting to uh, be available on contracts for new crop as well. So that's uh, something that's interesting. This market, again, on the red lentils also is reflective of India's appreciating pigeon pea price as a substitute, but more in the northern areas of India. And that tends to be more of a gradual realizing demand marketplace for us. So it's more of a grinding price trend that I see here relative to the green side. Moving to peas, Jubinville says Canadian exports for the 2022-23 crop year could fall below initial expectations. He says the original estimate was 2.75 million metric tons. I'm starting to wonder a little bit if we can make that target because I see what pea exports so far, shipments to the almost the end of March are only about 1.4 million tons right now. Are we able to make up the, the ground to get there? I'm starting to rethink my ideas on that one. I, I expected a bigger export program just because our available supply was higher for this year, but we are running into some roadblocks on this. And if we focus on Asia, where the majority of our exports go, 2.7 million total exports, but maybe 2.2, 2.3 of it heads to the Asian marketplace. China is by far the largest importer of Canadian yellow peas. Longer term, Jubinville believes Russia could pick up some of that market share over the next three to five years. Jupinville says old crop peas are selling between 11 and $12 a bushel, while new crop peas are about a dollar lower. Mid to upper $10 a bushel territory available generally in the market. My inclination is to kind of hold off on it right now. I look at FOB landed value in China at US $400 a ton. When I back that off, that equates to me about $11 a bushel. So 
we're kind of in the neighborhood right now, but uh, given that I think the acres are probably going to see some contraction in Western Canada this year, my feeling right now is that uh, we might hold off at least at this point in time. Mike Jubinville is a senior analyst with Markets Farm, and he made his comments on a recent webinar. It's time now for the Ag Review portion of our program, and that's a presentation of New Era Ag Technologies in Swan River. Future Ford has been serving the Melville area for over 30 years. They focus on the future. Their staff are ready for what's to come. Ford Tech is changing all the time with new vehicle technology like EV, self-driving, and more. Get ready to drive into the future. Why? Because the future is Future Ford. DX94, Ag Review. Western Canadian farmers are hoping for a normal year after the extreme ups and downs of the last two. Farmers gearing up for spring seeding say they hope they won't have to deal with record-breaking weather events like 2021's drought. Many prairie farmers that year had to write off much of their crop as fields turned to dust and plants withered. 2022 was a much better harvest, but farmers also had to deal with surging inflation that drove up their costs. Some characterized it as the most expensive crop year ever. This year, crop prices have come down somewhat, but so has inflation, and many farmers are hoping for a less volatile growing season. CN and CP Rail supplied a combined 87% of hopper cars ordered in Grain Week 36, a decline from the previous week's 96%. The drop this week reflects a decline in performance for each of CN and CP. In supplying 88% of hopper cars ordered on time in Week 36, CN's performance declined from the 96% performance seen in Week 35 and fell below the 90% performance threshold for the first time in five weeks. CP order fulfillment performance also declined last week, with the railway supplying 87% of cars ordered, down from the 95% performance seen the previous week. CP also falls below the 90% threshold, for the first time in four weeks. The United States is testing four bird flu vaccines for poultry after more than 58 million chickens, turkeys, and other birds have died in the nation's worst outbreak ever. The trials, conducted by the U.S. Department of Agriculture's Agricultural Research Service, are the first step in a lengthy process toward the possible first use of vaccines to protect U.S. poultry from the lethal virus. Bird flu, also known as highly pathogenic avian influenza, has killed hundreds of millions of birds around the world, raising interest in vaccines. The virus is largely spread by wild birds that transmit it to poultry. The USDA is testing one vaccine from Zoetis, one from Merck Animal Health, and two developed by the department's Agricultural Research Service. Due to the impact of a drought, farmers participating in Argentina's soy dollar plan to boost exports have traded less than half of the soybeans they had traded at the same point during the previous plan. The Argentina government launched its latest soy dollar plan last week to boost dollar inflows from soybean exports and replenish dwindling foreign exchange reserves in a delicate economic context 
with an annual inflation over 100%. In the first four days of the program, which offers an exchange rate of 300 pesos per U.S. dollar for soybean sales, compared to the official rate of 215 pesos per U.S. dollar, producers sold 441,747 metric tons of soybeans. The figure is well below the volume sold in the first four days of the two previous soy dollar plans last year. Slovakia has joined Poland and Hungary in banning food imports from Ukraine. The temporary bans come in response to rising anger from farmers who say an abundant supply of grain in their countries is causing them economic hardship. The bans also deepen the challenge for the European Union as it works to help Ukraine transport its grain to world markets. Bulgaria is reportedly considering a similar ban. And the distinct cry of baby goats could be heard this weekend, rising from a small petting zoo north of Saskatoon. Candace Wolf, owner and operator of Lovestruck Miniatures, says their five-year-old Nigerian dwarf cross goat named Party successfully delivered a litter of six kids. Although most does only give birth to two or three kids at a time, Party's big new family has missed the world record mark by one. Wolf says Party and her little ones are thriving, and the kids are getting a lot of attention. And be sure to listen to the latest GX on Agriculture podcast. It's brought to you by Future Ford in Melville. Please stay tuned. GX on Agriculture will return right after this. Welcome back to GX on Agriculture. I'm Doug Falconer. It's mainly cloudy and 8 degrees in the Yorkton-Melville region. I'll have your complete weather details coming up at the top of the hour. Well, as you heard from Phil Spivak from Precision Weather a little earlier, a major winter snowstorm is on its way to southern Saskatchewan and Manitoba. Environment Canada senior climatologist David Phillips says this week's storm could be the final snowstorm of the season. Well, you're right. This is Maybe this is winter's last hurrah. I don't know, but it certainly is um, about midweek. Uh, it's one of these Colorado lows that are um, more, more powerful than the Alberta Clipper. Alberta Clipper sort of hit and run. Alberta, but a Colorado low has got some beneficial moisture to it. It picks up moisture from the Gulf of Mexico, and it brings it into uh, often the eastern prairie. And certainly from Regina to the Red River Valley is looking like, a, wow, a, a real a real powerful kind of uh, late season sprawling kind of an event. We may see 10 to 20 centimeters and it's of snow, and it's that nice snow. It's that wet, heavy, compacted kind of snow. Now, I know for urbanites, they're probably saying, oh, no, you know, commuting is going to be a problem, stronger winds, maybe a little bit more treacherous driving. But, you know, this moisture is, it may be the million dollar moisture that farmers need in parts of, of eastern prairies. It's been bone dry. You look at Saskatchewan and Manitoba, you see many areas that have less than 40% of their normal precipitation during the last three months. So this is 
this is, I think, to some degree welcome. Although, you know, weather is presents that kind of contrast. I mean, will this be, in fact, uh, uh, farmers and growers, ranchers cursing it because of the calving season and also the flood season? We're seeing some flood issues in parts of Swift Current, for example, from from ice jamming and and quick melt. So that that's always an issue. But it may be a blessing that people are talking about, but the very beneficial soil moisture that the region needs. We see a lot of moisture. It's beginning typically Tuesday, late afternoon into night, an all-day Wednesday affair, and then ending probably around uh, sometime on uh, on Thursday. But we're seeing, um, and it may start as rain, and it's very tricky. It's not, the, the models are a little kind of all over the place in a way, uh, and it's that's because we're not exactly sure of the track. I think the further west you are of Regina, it'll be less of a problem. It's more towards Estevan, eastern Saskatchewan, into Manitoba that I think will be the, the hardest hit. As, as soon as those, because the temperatures are, relatively speaking, fairly mild, I mean, they're, or at least seasonable. There are probably highs today of 14, 15, tomorrow 11 degrees. That's above freezing. And so that precipitation will likely, when it starts, if it starts early, will start as rain, and then will transition over to that wet kind of, of snow. But we see also the temperatures dropping, too. It's going to usher in some cooler air. So we see Wednesday, for example, we see lows of minus 5, highs of minus 1. So it's going to be the white stuff that you see. But because of very moist air mass, it's going to be a real, not a typical January kind of dry snow. It's going to be a wet spring snow, which I really think, for me, if I was doing a cost-benefit analysis, I think there's more advantage to it, for certainly for rural people, than for urbanites. In fact, it really should be all of Saskatchewan, because it really, as, the, as agriculture goes, so goes the economy. We're seeing the kind of um, special weather statement, not a watch yet, it's probably today it will become a watch and then a warning, but it's for a large uh, uh, swath of the agricultural area from, you know, Cree Lake north of uh, Prince Albert, right down through to southern Saskatchewan, maybe not so much in the sort of the western part in, in, in say, the Battlefords or Rosetown or, or Kindersley may not get as much. They'll get some, but I think the real heavy stuff, the more significant precipitation will be sort of east of Regina in that, that uh, moisture-starved area. David Phillips is a senior climatologist with Environment Canada. Coming up, he further discusses the long-range weather outlook for southern Saskatchewan. Livestock Market Conditions U.S. live cattle futures for June closed at 164.87 today. That's up 115. August live cattle closed at 163.77, up 107. May feeder cattle closed at 210.75, up 285. August feeder cattle closed at 225.35, up 140. May lean hogs closed at 81 even, up 55. June lean hogs closed at 88.17, up 130. And that's the livestock market conditions. Well, as you heard, a major snowstorm is expected to dump up to 20 centimeters or 8 inches of snow this week across much of southern Saskatchewan and Manitoba. 
But Environment Canada senior climatologist David Phillips says the long winter will soon be just a memory. We want to see some temperatures warm up. I think that if we, if really uh, we have seen through March and April, one of the coldest springs, I mean, there's several ways, I think, of measuring winter misery. And it can be a cold uh, uh, winter. It's not been that. It's been cooler than normal, and uh, but it has also not been major storms. This may be one of the big ones of the, of the winter. So that's another way you would measure misery in winter. But I think this year it's been the duration of winter. We saw it come in November and here it is in April. I mean, we had one of the coldest March and Aprils on record. In fact, it's not been as cold as this for the last 72 years. So farmers have just not been able to get out of the fields. The ground is too frozen. And that's why it presents a flood uh, issue because there's no percolation going on. So if that snow melts and, and runs into the rivers and creeks, there's no percolation into the ground. So in the last few days, there has been some melting, I mean, some some sort of thawing out of the ground. So the more that can happen, the better off will be, the less impactful the vent will, will be. So we'll just have to wait and see how it's going to go. The models seem to suggest from now, this point on, it seems to be that normal, seasonable kind of temperatures are in the offing. It's not going to a dramatic warm-up, but it is something where every day gets a little warmer than the previous day. There's more days of sun light now by about three, three and a half minutes a day. That's positive. But I think the warming is coming and so the soil will warm up so that there's more the soil, the seeds will take when they're, they're planted. But this moisture, I really think, is coming at the perfect time. Phillips then looks ahead to the rest of the spring for Saskatchewan. Yeah, well, our models seem to suggest that for that period, we're showing in the province of Saskatchewan, it's it's really three possibilities. It could be colder than normal, it could be warmer than normal, or it could be something in between. And I think it's that in between that seems to be carrying the way. Now, most of the province looks for May, June to be warmer than normal, but some areas show a little that would be near normal. So, and there's only a small little area in the next month month in the southeastern part of the province that seems a little cooler than uh, than normal. But you have to recognize that, you know, May is certainly on, on average about six, eight degrees warmer than April. So we're talking about near normal or above normal. We're really talking about a significant warming from one month to the, to the next. So my sense is this may be winter's last hurrah, and uh, it is certainly moisture that you've needed. I I think there may be more benefit from this event than not. If we can just warm the temperatures up a little bit, then I think we'll have a, have a good a good situation. But the models seem to suggest for the for the growing season, as we get uh, into May and into June, a uh, warmer than normal. So I think there will be some some warmth is coming, less less Arctic air, more southerly air, and and you know we also know that June is the wettest month in Saskatchewan, and so that we can always hope that that this is going to be the case. So you'll get the precipitation you need, which has been so short. David Phillips is a senior climatologist with Environment Canada. Please stay tuned. Your commodities update is coming up next. Five. Commodities update. Canola futures closed up rather sharply right across the board today. May canola closed at 773.70, up $10.60. 
July canola closed at 746.50, up $10.20. May Minneapolis wheat closed at 889 per bushel, up 12 and three quarters of a cent. May Kansas City wheat closed at 889 and three quarters, up 11 cents. May Chicago wheat closed at 696 and a half, up 14 cents. May corn closed at 676 and a half, up 10 and a quarter cents. May soybeans closed at 1517 per bushel, up 16 and a half cents. May oats closed at 342 per bushel, up 6 cents. And that's the commodities update. A senior risk management analyst with Ham's Marketing Services says pork demand will need to improve significantly to stimulate a recovery in live hog markets. Paul Marchand first outlines the highlights of the U.S. Department of Agriculture's quarterly hogs and pigs report released at the end of March. I think the highlights are the idea that the USDA has significantly changed their outlook on what was going to be available uh, in the coming months and weeks. Um, as we recall, that the December Hogs and Pigs report was much more bullish in the sense that uh, we were looking at numbers that implied slaughter levels around this time would be roughly 2% lower than a year ago. And what we saw in the March uh, report that came out recently is that uh, all hogs and pigs report were, uh, well, in terms of percent, 100.2% of year ago. The breeding herd was 100.5% uh, of year ago, and marketing uh, hogs or hogs kept for marketing were 100.2% of year ago, essentially in line with average estimates. In fact, only about one-tenth of a percent lower than what the analysts had uh, um, estimated before the release of the USDA report. And so much more uh, price pressuring or, or bearish relative to what we saw in the summer. He explains the implications of the deviations from what had been expected. I think there are a number of reasons for that. A um, couple of, at least in terms of the marketing numbers, uh, would be a result of logistics, uh, short holiday, uh, kill weeks, and uh uh, the logistics related to storms, for example, that happened around Christmas time, and uh, and then in, in mid February, uh, the market then had to play catch up with uh, some of those numbers. As uh, and when hogs got held back, then of course they got marketed a little bit later. It took many weeks for that to get sorted out, and we were essentially about 1.6 percent above year ago, or 100, 101.6 percent of year ago when uh by about mid-february or so so that's part of it and another thing that that could be talked about and i'm not sure if it's talked about a lot but as we know that there were some announcements by olimel in quebec uh that had stated roughly uh, not roughly that there was going to be 2.55 million less hogs slaughtered at their plants in quebec now right now those hogs need a home and the suggestion that we were uh, discussing at some of our meetings was the extent to which some of those hogs are finding their way into the United States. So uh, in Quebec, it's roughly 34,000 hogs per week uh, and in Ontario around 19,000 hogs per week. 
that don't normally have homes that may have entered into the American market. So if you think about a 2% uh, less hogs than a year ago, uh, a roughly 2.5 million slaughter per week average or head per week uh, average, you know, that's 50,000 head. Um, out of those 34,000, 19,000 from Ontario, you know, if 30 are making it into the States, we have a bit of a backlog um, because of, of some weather and short kill weeks. You know, this could make up for that difference and then add to, at least in the eastern part of the country, uh, up for some of, you know, that, that excess that we're seeing today. Marshawn talks about how the markets have reacted to the latest hogs and pigs report. I would say that the markets have been uh, fairly neutral on the report. There wasn't a large movement in 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 the futures uh, on the Friday when the the report could or on the following day when the report could be traded. Uh, if you looked at the uh, the hog weight categories, uh, what we saw is the that there would be less pegs anticipated in the lighter weight categories um, that are already uh, you know planned for marketing. Uh, whereas the larger weights had uh, significantly more than a year ago at the same time. So a little bit of pressure on the nearbys, a uh, little bit of support for the, for the, uh, for the deferred contracts. But I, again, I, nothing I would call this a market mover at all. Um, there were wide expectations that these numbers would be expected, except for maybe the 180 pound category of which, you know, four weeks has already passed. Those hogs have already been marketed. And we were essentially in line with, with in terms of slaughter levels, what that report would have implied would have been available on March 1. So um, very little to add either support or pressure for that matter. It's a very neutral reaction to the report because the, uh, the USDA published numbers that were in line largely uh, within expectations. And uh, you know, we find ourselves around uh, the lows uh, currently. He outlines the key factors hog producers should be watching moving forward. Demand has to pick up significantly in order to re, for the market to recover. Um, the, the, the big news, I guess, right now would be like, where did all this pressure come from? And there's been a variety of things that have been happening in the market since, uh, uh, since the beginning of this year, actually. Um, not entirely unrelated to the amount of managed money that's in the trade right now. We're looking at a, a managed money record short position, as you know, uh, short positions are, are sell activities, and they're sitting at the second highest short amount of short positions uh, on record, uh, the only exception being August 2018. So the combination of the pressure from uh, managed money or the funds, um, institutional traders, uh, bearish market sentiment just in general based on the fact that we were looking at higher slaughter levels relative to a year ago. Uh, the cutout is under pressure and it has been under pressure for a while, hams and, and bellies specifically, um, adding to um, levels that quite frankly are, are lower than what the expectations were when the narrative at the beginning of the year was we're going to see less pigs in the marketplace than a year ago. Well, here now we have a higher slaughter than a year ago the, there's a, a lot of uh, pork and, and cold storage. Um, there's not really a lot of demand at the wholesale level. Uh, packers don't have to aggressively bid to secure supplies for their slaughter schedules. And uh, we're really just in a wait and see uh, uh, time right now. But demand would probably be the, the biggest item to look at. The market is priced in supply now, in, in my opinion. Um, so it's going to be demand metrics moving forward. And uh, with pressure on the, the cutout um, and 
exports are good but not stellar, um, there's really nothing for this market to get really too excited about today in terms of a rally. And Marchand concludes with these comments. We should be really careful as an industry um, in focusing on maybe one piece of the equation and not the other, uh, and especially in, in terms of what we're looking at for expectations. Um, that I would say now that at least the supply side, in my view, it would be priced in for now. Um, the USDA usually has it, it, it pretty good, and I was a little surprised that there wasn't more backlash or a little, at least a little bit more commentary, like why were the USDA numbers off by so much? I mean, when you, when you did the math, it was almost a 4% variance between what the USDA had implied would be available in the, uh, at the December Hogs and Pigs report relative to what was actually being marketed at the beginning of the year. I think some of what we talked about uh, lends itself to, you know, the rationale behind those. So it, it really didn't get get a lot of attention. But the USDA has generally a good track record of of uh, implying what's going to be available for slaughter on the live hog market um, uh, with the hogs and pigs reports. So, uh, you know, now that, that we have that kind of supply side into the equation, um, it's really going to be uh, about demand uh, at this point. And there are some things to keep an, to keep an eye out for. Uh, the ASF situation in China is apparently a little worse than what people were uh, expecting, but uh, right now we have yet to see any any activity from Chinese buyers uh, in terms of forward-looking commitments, um, uh, new net sales commitments uh, that would give us any indication that they are either short of pork or in dire need of, of showing up those supplies. So that would be one market to keep an eye on, of course. Uh, they're always a bit of a wild card. They've been a little on the inconsistent side in terms of forward sales. Um, but their uh, their week over week actual physical uh, deliveries or what what they take in as being physically delivered is up about uh, between 500 and 1,000 metric tons per week over a year ago. So that's, that is positive. But again, uh, China's just nowhere near uh, where anybody would like them to be in ter- uh, for us to see a little bit more support in either uh, nearby futures, deferreds, or even the cash market. Paul Marchand is a senior risk management analyst with Ham's Marketing Service. Please stay tuned. Your Farm Bulletin Board is coming up next. Farm Bulletin Board. As many of you may or may not know, Doug Ukrainitz of Ukrainitz Auction Services is battling cancer. He's at a clinic in Arizona, and a GoFundMe page has been set up for him. So if you go on and you can check it out for Doug Ukrainitz at GoFundMe, as he battles cancer in Arizona. Meanwhile, they're still looking for help at the Yorkton Research Farm, the East Central Research Foundation, and uh, Parkland College looking for a research assistant or even a co-coordinator that could take the leadership role in a few years' time. If you have a recent master's student graduate in agronomy, that would be ideal. If you know of anyone who would be interested in this position, please send your email to m.hall at parklandcollege.sk.ca or you can contact Mike Hall directly 306-621-6032 and he can fill you in on all the information for that assistant job. And that's all the time we have for today's Farm Bulletin Board. It's now 1 o'clock in Saskatchewan, 2 o'clock in Manitoba, 
Time to check the GX94 precision weather forecast for the Quill Lakes, Hudson Bay, Swan River, Broadview, Mooseman, Indian Head, and Yorkton, Melville, Roblin, Russell regions today. Partly sunny, winds southeast at 25 to 45, gusting higher at times, and a high of 11 degrees. For tonight, mainly cloudy with a slight chance of evening showers. Winds east at 25 to 45, a low of minus 1. For tomorrow, an 80% chance of developing light rain mixing with snow later in the day. Winds east-southeast at 25 to 45, a high of plus 4, an overnight low of minus 2. For Wednesday, light snow and windy with 10 plus centimeters of snow possible. Winds northeast at 25 to 45, gusting higher at times, the temperature falling to minus 4. For Thursday, an 80% chance of snow showers and flurries, a high of minus 1. And for Friday, flurries ending, then becoming partly sunny, a high of plus 4. In the Paw, it's 5 degrees, Swan River 8, Dauphin, Brandon, Show Lake, Russell, and Roblin all reporting in at 7. Regina is at 11, Saskatoon 12, Hudson Bay, Indian Head 10, Broadview Mooseman, Winyard Wadena, Calvington 6. The Yorkton Melville region has a mainly cloudy sky, a southeast wind at 30, gusting to 41 kilometers an hour. 46% is the relative humidity. The temperature is 8 degrees. That's your agriculture weather, and that'll do it for GX on Agriculture for today. Be sure to tune in again tomorrow at 12.15 Saskatchewan time for another edition of the program. It's time now for the news and sports headlines. The GX on Agriculture podcast has been brought to you by Future Ford in Melville. When you're in the market for a new Ford, stop by Future Ford for a great selection of new and used vehicles.